Walter Sports Bar is excited to welcome Nationals fans back to the ballpark this spring. Located directly across the street from Nationals Park, Walters is the preeminent sports bar in Navy Yard, boasting over 35 televisions, both indoors and out. Walters is a great location to catch the Nats all season long. Walters encourages all fans to check out coronavirus.dc.gov to get up-to-date information on current dining restrictions and go Nats. If you were at Walters this weekend, you may have noticed the Nats Chat logo up on their beer wall. We really appreciate the support they're giving us, and we encourage you to go to Walters before, after, and during Nats games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This morning, we figured we'd go get him an MRI. Came back showing that he had a slight strain in his left shoulder. And once again, you know, it's early. Uh, we got some days off. 3-0 and is the count. Bases loaded. Two out. Gallegos delivers. Inside high ball four. The Nationals have the lead. A four-pitch bases loaded. Walk scores. Harrison from third. Turner to third and Schwarber to second. The RBI for Gomes is fifth of the year. The base is still loaded with two out. It's the Nationals three and the Cardinals two. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, April 21st, 2021, along with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, that was an eventful Tuesday for the Washington Nationals, but it does end up being a successful Tuesday for the Nationals, a 3-2 come-from-behind victory over the St. Louis Cardinals in Nationals Park on Tuesday night in Game 2 of a three-game series. The Nats get to 6-9 and nine on the season. And Mark, we have about 15 different things we could lead off this installment of Nats Chat with. How are you? I'm just fine, Al. The, the game took two hours and 51 minutes, and I think we could challenge that with the podcast if we wanted to. We don't want to, though, right? Uh, I don't think so, although we'll see how this goes. Who knows? You know, we, we make beautiful magic together. So we'll see uh, how this installment <laughs> ends up going here. But yeah, what a game. What a night. Uh, Patrick Corbin, redemption. Excellent outing for him. We'll get to that momentarily. We had the Cardinals bizarrely using a five-man infield in what ended up being a two-run bottom of the eighth for the Washington Nationals. We had another hiccup with the Nationals bullpen we got to be getting into. But I suppose we should start with what really is the A topic coming out of this Tuesday, and that is Juan Soto, shockingly, got placed on the 10-day injured list. You know, usually a Nat is maybe possibly hurt, and we kind of get misled in that regard. In this case, nobody knew anything. And then like an hour before the ball game, it comes out, yeah, Juan Soto is on the 10-day IL. Who, what, how? Left shoulder strain is the ailment. Yadiel Hernandez has been recalled from the alternate training side 
in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And Mark, uh, judging off what Davey Martinez said to you guys after the game of the postgame uh, Zoom press conference, it sounds like Davey wasn't really sure of things until about an hour or so before the game. Yeah, I mean, it was late. Now, they did, you know, Soto had been complaining, he said, for a couple of days about some triceps tenderness or something not feeling right in his triceps, but they went and had him get an MRI, and I'm not sure they were expecting this result. It came back with a, a shoulder strain, and it was 45 minutes before game time that they had to make the call and decide, let's just not take any chances. Let's put him on the IL. They told Trey Turner, hey, you're hitting third tonight. Good luck. And I do think there's a little bit here of looking at the schedule, okay? Over the next 10 days, they have three off days. And yeah, usually the operation here is you wait a few days, you scratch him from the lineup, you say he's day-to-day, and you see if he improves or not, and then you backdate the move a few days. And I think in this case, they felt like they know they have the days off. If they really do think it's relatively minor, and that's the initial indication of it, then go ahead and just shut him down now. Take the 10 days off. It's seven games that he misses. It's a long season and hope that he's fine after that. But that was, I would say it's out of left field, but he plays right field now. So that came completely out of right field. Well, as, as long as Kyle Schwarber isn't playing that left field that it came out of, I think it'll end up being okay. Do we know when Soto got hurt, how he got hurt, or is this a mystery? Uh, not specifically. I, like I said, I think it's something that maybe he was dealing with for a couple of days. And now, Davey said it doesn't seem to affect him when he's swinging. I, you know, at first I thought, you know, he'd been in a little mini slump. It was 0 for 11 for a couple of days, and then he did hit a double on Monday. I thought maybe that had something to do with it. But no, it sounds like it's more a throwing issue than anything. And, and you know, I guess the good news is there, even while he's out, he can do conditioning. He may even be able to take some swings. They said as soon as he's ready to go, they'll send him to Fredericksburg. He's not going to make the road trip with the team to New York this weekend. So all the signs, at least of what they're indicating here, is that they think it is a fairly short process and that they'll have him back, if not immediately after 10 days, shortly after that. But no, I mean, it's kind of a mystery and, and not one of those things that any of us saw coming, certainly. Well, it is now an increasingly crowded 10-day IL for the Nationals. You have Juan Soto on the IL. You have Steven Strasburg. You have John Lester still, technically, although he is on the men tier and looks like he'll be back sometime soon. Will Harris, though, is on the IL. Wander Suero, Luis Avilan. So Nats, look, everyone has to deal with injuries, but it, it certainly feels like the Nats have dealt with more than their fair share in this early portion of the season. And there's not a player you would least want to lose he's the guy you'd, you'd most want to keep. Like, he's not the guy you'd ever want to go on the IL. So really bad news. I mean, there's no other way to frame it. But the Nationals do end up pulling off the win. And before we get to the reconfigured lineup that Davey Martinez put forth on Tuesday night, I think we do have to get to Patrick Corbin. You know, we've been all over him and this Nationals rotation for being so underwhelming and so disappointing and all these blowout starts and all these blowout losses. Corbin was a mess over his first two starts of this season. But as bad as he had been, he was that good on Tuesday night. Six scoreless innings, five strikeouts versus four hits, a double and three singles. No walks. He throws 52 of his 76 pitches for strikes. The question, I suppose, is why didn't Davey leave Corbin in the game longer? But Mark, this was exactly what the Nats needed from Patrick Corbin. Yeah, let's start with the good stuff of how he was able to do this. And then we'll get to the decision to pull him. So he did it by basically simplifying everything. They talked about it over the week. They worked in the bullpen. They felt like, you know what, what are your strengths? Your strengths are get ahead with the fastball, and really your strength is the slider. And so he threw almost entirely those two pitches in this game. He threw 39 fastballs slash sinker. He has two, a four-seamer and a sinker. 39 of those 
and 31 sliders and only six of anything else, change up curveball and cutter. So he really did go back to his basics and threw what he knew, what he is best at. The fastballs were over the plate and the sliders were down and darting, you know, into the right-handed batter's feet. And that's what makes him good. And he just found his groove and, and it went from there. So I think it was almost more of a mindset than even anything physically or mechanically. It's like, just remember what it is that makes you good to begin with and go out and do it. I mean, that's about as dramatic a 180 as you're ever going to see from a pitcher, from as bad as he looked before to as good as he looked in this game and got better as it went on. I mean, retiring some very good hitters. He hit 93 with his fastball to strike out Goldschmidt. You know, he handled Arenado well. When he walked off the mound in the sixth inning, you said, wow, this guy looks like the 2019, the best version of Patrick Corbin in 2019. And he got through six innings on 76 pitches. And I'm not sure any, even the most optimistic Patrick Corbin supporter would have predicted that happening. It was exactly what the Nats needed. Like, we can't emphasize this enough. If we're going to criticize these guys when they struggle, they deserve the praise when they deliver. And Corbin delivered on Tuesday night. Now, to get pulled with 76 pitches, I don't know that it was like a stunner that he got yanked. But, you know, you say to yourself, bullpen has been leaned on a lot. Corbin looks good. He's only thrown the 76 pitches over six innings. Why did Davey pull Patrick when Davey did? So here's the explanation, and it, it's kind of two-pronged. First of all, it is the fact that you mentioned how worked the bullpen has been, and that's true. However, the three guys at the back end, Rainey, Hudson, and Hand, had not pitched in a few days, and they were fresh. And it hasn't happened much this year where they actually got to that point in the game with a lead and their best relievers available. And I think Davey felt like, let's just let Patrick end on a high note, and let's use the three guys that we want to have in those situations. Now, it didn't work out because Tanner Rainey struggled once again. But in his mind, it was, this is kind of going according to the plan and let's let it play out how we want to according to the plan. The second part of it is recognizing that Corbin had not pitched well, obviously, the first two games and had not been all that stretched out. You know, it was 80 pitches in his season debut and then 63, I believe, in his next start, which only lasted two innings. And I think the two inning part of that is key because he gave, as they call them, up and downs. He went six of them in this game after going two in the previous one. And this early in the season, I think there was hesitancy to let him take the mound again for a seventh up and down in the seventh. Now, Davey admitted if this was September, it's a totally different situation. He lets him go. He doesn't even think about it. But in his mind, it was a 100% no-brainer call to pull him. I'm not sure that everyone in the crowd or anybody watching felt it was that simple a decision. There was ample reason to think that he could have continued despite all those factors that were at play there. It was good. Perfect top of the third strikes out Paul Goldschmidt on three pitches for the second out. Perfect top of the fourth strikes out Yadier Molina on four pitches for the first out. Do you know where Corbin was at from a velocity standpoint on Tuesday night? Yeah, he was up a little bit. So he averaged 91 with the fastball and he topped out at 93 which on the uh, Goldschmidt strikeout, which I think is the hardest pitch that he's thrown this year. So that was a good sign. He seemed to be maintaining it as the game went on. He said he felt physically great at the end of the sixth inning. Now, he also said he completely understood the rationale and the decision and trying to think long-term big picture here as opposed to doing everything you can to try to win this game. And it's it's a fine balance in April. Look, if they're getting off to a nine and six start instead of six and nine, there's a little less pressure on you. But when you are six and nine and you have to scratch and claw and you got to take every win you can get, I think there could be justification in letting him stay out there. But, you know, two pitchers have already been hurt and this guy, you know, they cannot afford to lose him. And I think there was a little bit of hesitancy there to 
take a chance and press his luck and let him go another inning. Yeah, and I think the whole thing about leaving on a high note mattered a lot. And it's interesting to me that Davey brought that up. Like, in theory, that shouldn't matter. You're trying to win the ball game. You know, you're not trying to do the Costanza thing of leave them wanting more. And, you know, <laughs> that's it for me. I've got to go. Like, you know, no, that's not really what we're trying to do here. But I get the psychology of it. Like, I think that was important. And, like, with Corbin, you know, you're, you're kind of holding your breath the whole night. And is the blow-up inning coming? Or is he going to make through this thing truly with a gem? And the latter was the case. So you get out while they're getting still good. That said, I mean, going to your top three relievers to get the final three innings taken care of, I mean, that's not an unreasonable ask, but it ends up being a bumpy ride. Tanner Rainey comes on for that top of the seventh inning and gives up two runs. So his rough start to the season continues. Rainey giving up a leadoff 10-pitch walk of Yadier Molina. That was some plate appearance by Oyadi. Then came the RBI triple by Dylan Carlson, and then a one-out RBI sack fly by Austin Dean despite him having been down to the count at one point, one, two. So Tanner Rainey, as we speak here on this installment of Nats Chat, has an ERA on the season so far of 10-13. We know he dealt with that muscle strain near the collarbone in spring training. You know, didn't really get going in the exhibition season until deep into it. We've been kind of waiting for him to find himself, waiting for that 2020 Tanner Rainey to appear. And unfortunately, we are still waiting. We are still waiting. Now, I'm going to say there is one good thing here, and that is his velocity is trending up. He was averaging 95 in this game. He maxed out at 97. So that's good. That is trending in the right direction. But it's still a matter of locating what you're throwing. And, I mean, really, the leadoff walk is the, is the problem. Obviously, a triple off the wall isn't great either. But you put yourself in a, in a bad spot when you lead, issue a leadoff walk. Now, that walk to Molina... If I remember right, that also included a, a pop-up down the right field line that Andrew Stevenson had a shot at. And it was a tough play. I mean, you're coming into the corner there. It, it's not trying to suggest that was an easy play by any stretch, but he kind of alligator-armed it as he, he saw the wall approaching him and the ball fell in. He makes that catch. The whole inning could be different. But that said, your job as a reliever with a one-run lead, make them beat you. Don't give them a base. Now, the guy who came in for the Cardinals in the eighth, Absolutely <laughs> did not follow that mantra and the Nats benefit from it. But if you're Tanner Rainey, at least make Yadier Molina beat you. Don't hand him first base and then, you know, the triple after that. So not good, but I think in their mind, he's healthy. They need to keep putting him out there because in the long run, they're going to need him along with Hudson in hand to close out games. Hey everyone, Tim Showers here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD. You know we're getting to the point where prioritizing mental health is becoming less stigmatized. People are finally starting to talk about strategies to stay centered and calm in their everyday life. That's why I'm really excited to tell you about Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that taste absolutely delicious and are easy to take on the go. Sunday Scaries CBD gummies help you live life scare-free by promoting a sense of calm, quieting your mind, and just helping you to chill out and relax. I imagine a lot of Cardinals fans were looking for some CBD after seeing a five-man infield in the bottom of the eighth. In fact, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil have won glowing coverage in publications like Men's Health, Forbes, Allure, and Best Products. Today, you can get 25% off your first order with the code NATSCHAT at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com. Enter code NATSCHAT where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Ready to chill out and get some much-needed peace of mind? Head to sundayscaries.com right now to get 25% off some sweet, sweet CBD gummies. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for NATSCHAT comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. 
By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. And now hand sets. Molina off second. Two out, top of the ninth, the pitch. Swinging a fly ball left field toward the line. Schwarber coming in. He's there. He makes the catch. And bang, Zuma. Curly W's in the books. Brad Hand earns his second save at as many tries against the Cardinals. And the Nationals rally with two runs in the bottom of the eighth inning with the help of the Cardinals bullpen. And they even the series at one apiece. Hudson and Hand did their jobs. It's so funny. I mean, these guys were so bad in the exhibition season, but they've been pretty good so far in this regular season. I mean, it's hard to complain too much about what we've seen. Daniel Hudson, a perfect eighth inning that includes striking out Paul Goldschmidt on four pitches for the third out. Brad Hand does give up a one-out double to Yadier Molina, but ultimately tosses a scoreless ninth inning. And, you know, you mentioned the Andrew Stevenson play that was, and if we're talking Nats defense, Kyle Schwarber in that uh, top of the ninth inning, bobbling the ball on that Molina one-out double with the Nats nursing a 3-2 lead. That could have been a real problem. Thankfully, it ended up not being the case. And then also for most Schwarber in left field, a throwing error on another Yadier Molina hit, a uh, two-out single in the top of the first to put runners on first and third <laughs> on an awful throw to third base. I don't know. I mean, that's like you're shaving points. You make a throw like that. Uh, but Patrick Corbin did escape the inning unscathed. And I'll give Schwarber credit. He, in that first inning, did make that sliding forward backhanded catch of the line out by Paul Goldschmidt for the second out. So he did do that. But once again, Mark, we have like multiple instances of spotty defense for the Nationals on Tuesday night. Schwarber had about a week's worth of action in the top of the first inning. <laughs> there was a lot going on there on a day when a lot of other things happened as well. And um, yeah, you know, it's it is what it is. You're going to be dealing with this. Josh Bell made a nice play in the field. I thought this might be the first time we would see Ryan Zimmerman replace him late in the game for defense. We did not. It didn't cost them. I thought Zim was going to find his way into that game somehow, either for a pinch hit against Wainwright or, or for defense late, and it never did happen. So there's that. But real quick, back to the relievers, Hudson and, and Hand, and you mentioned how bad they look in spring training. And I think this is among the reasons why you have to be so careful trying to evaluate relievers in spring training, especially the, the back-end guys. These guys live on adrenaline. And you cannot create that in spring training. It's just not possible. There's no environment. There's nothing at stake. And then all of a sudden the season starts and you're trotting in in a one-run game with a crowd and a game that matters. And they feed off that stuff. And I think you can see Daniel Hudson's throwing the lights out. Of the, I mean, he's throwing 97 miles an hour. Uh, hand, his slider has been really on point. He was joking that he said, you know, he didn't think he threw one decent slider the whole spring. And now all of a sudden here it is for him. So I do think there's something to be said for when the lights come on and it actually counts that for late-inning relievers, that makes a big difference for them, and that's what they feed off of, and so far, so good for those two. No doubt. Daniel Hudson, 15 games into the season. He has a 180 ERA. Brad Hand has yet to allow an earned run so far in this 2021 season. So overall, you get the job done from a pitching standpoint, that's for sure. And then there is the Nationals lineup, the Juan Soto-less Washington Nationals lineup. And it was so interesting to see how Davey Martinez set this up. Andrew Stevenson gets the start in right field, and it is he 
who is the leadoff batter. So, I mean, Victor Robles at this point, he could transform into Ricky Henderson. He ain't batting leadoff no more. I mean, that's as obvious as can be. I don't know what it would take for Robles to get out of that number eight spot at this point. He's still buried there on Tuesday night. It's Stevenson who gets the call to be the number one batter. Davey goes Josh Harrison in the two hole and Trey Turner in the three hole. And then Josh Bell gets bumped up to that number four spot. What did you make, Mark, of Davey going Stevenson, Harrison, Turner, Bell as the top four without Soto? Well, I think it's like we talked about a lot in the spring and early in the season. If the goal is to get Trey Turner up to bat with runners on base, what's the best way to do that, especially if you don't have Juan Soto? Right now, I think Stevenson and Harrison make sense. Uh, Harrison especially as a guy who's been getting on base a lot. And Stevenson, the guy just puts together quality at bats, <laughs> you know? It's like a 3-2 count every time he's at the plate, and he got on base twice in this game, both times leading off an inning. So Trey winds up coming up to bat with two on and nobody out twice in the game. In the top of the third, it looked like a golden opportunity. He grounds into a double play. It foiled the entire thing. But then in the eighth, he comes up again in that exact same spot, and this time pokes a single to right field, scores the tying run, and then helps set the stage for the rally by stealing second. Uh, to put the pressure on the Cardinals and now force them to do some crazy things in the field. So this isn't the ideal lineup, but if you're missing Juan Soto and, you know, you've already given up, as we've seen on Victor Robles as your leadoff hitter, then get your best on-base guys at the top and then your one and only really good, consistent run producer in the three spot and hope that that works. And in this case, it did work. Yeah, it's not often your actual leadoff man leads off more than one or two innings, but Stevenson did do that on Tuesday night. Like you said, leadoff single, bottom of the third, leadoff full count walk in that match, two-run eighth. Harrison gets on base again, one for three with a single, had a single, bottom of the third, uh, also a hit-by-pitch. Boy, a lot of hit-by-pitches, it feels like, lately in Nationals games in the two-run eighth. And man, Trey Turner is just, uh, you know, speaking of guys who had bad exhibition seasons, I mean, Trey Turner was not good in the Grapefruit League campaign But he's off to a great start. Another multi-hit game with the two singles, the RBI, and the stolen base, like you said. And then there was Josh Bell. And Josh Bell, uh, he also got hit by a pitch. I'm telling you, everyone's getting hit here. But Bell has easily, I think, his biggest hit of the season so far. A hit that he certainly needed with the way he's been scuffling. A one-out first pitch solo home in the right field of Cardinal starter Adam Wainwright in the bottom of the sixth. Here's Josh Bell. Swing a high drive to right. Williams going back to the warning track near the wall. He leaps and it's gone. Josh Bell's first home run as a national. It felt like it was hit about 30 miles into the air. It, it actually barely got out of the ballpark, but that was a big homer for Bell, not just in the game, but thinking about where he's at in his season so far. Yeah, I think it didn't travel as much because the pitch had very little velocity coming in, <laughs> you know, slow curve. And I think Wainwright thought he could fool him, just a little get-me-over curveball to start the at-bat. And to his credit, Josh Bell was waiting for it and hammered it. And for a guy who's been late on the fastball, and that's been his biggest issue here so far, that just had to look like a, a, a giant cookie coming at him at, you know, 70 miles an hour or whatever it was. And, and to his credit, he put a great swing on it. And, and maybe that'll help loosen him up. He had the double the night before, so feeling a little better. But he had a spot, a chance again in the eighth after the Turner RBI single. And now you've got second and third once Trey stole the base. And you kind of hope that maybe he'd do something there. And instead, he hits a ground ball right at the shortstop, the drawn in infield. And that could have cost them. It didn't in the end. But he's getting there. And Zimmerman could have started this game. He's got great numbers against Wainwright in his career. I thought maybe he would, but Davey said before the game, we've got to get Josh Bell going. He knows that in the long run, 
this guy is going to be critical to their offense. And he thought he had some good at-bats on Monday, didn't want to then sit him and let him get cold. He wanted him to build off of it. So maybe now with a home run, that helps that process along, and maybe he is getting closer to the to the hitter they needed to be. Yeah, neither Bell nor Schwarber is off to a very good start. You know, the two guys who the Nats brought in the offseason, each guy coming off a bad 2020, but each guy with a track record of having produced offensively. Uh, neither guy's doing well so far. You need to get both guys going here. Each guy's had his moments. I mean, Schwarber had that glorious walk-off homer over the weekend. Bell has the homer on Tuesday night, but still a lot more that the Nats are going to need from those guys. Looking down the lineup, I do want to ask you about Jan Gomes. I, I mean, he didn't have a hit on Tuesday night, but he did have the the go-ahead walk. I tell you, Nats have had some uh, weird ways of scoring lately, but hey, you take what you can get. Gomes drawing a two-out bases loaded four-pitch walk in that Nats two-run eighth for the 3-2 lead. You know, there are so few catchers now who hit well in baseball, and I don't want to overstate how good of a hitter Jan Gomes is, but he was productive for the Nationals as a batter in recent seasons. You look at what he's doing so far this year. He's got a 344 on base percentage. He's had some big hits, you know, relatively speaking, over these first 15 games. Just he's been like a solid presence, I feel like, in the Nationals lineup. Yeah, and they've needed it. And you're seeing that Davey's going to rely on him. This was his, he started for the fourth straight day behind the plate. I mean, I don't think we ever saw him or Suzuki do that unless maybe when one of them was hurt for a little while. And you know, there was a, an opportunity where Alex Avila could have started one of these games. Davey decided not to. Now, Gomes always works with Corbin, so that was part of the equation for this game. But to trust him to start four straight, he said as long as he's healthy, he's going to start the bulk of the games. I think Avila will start the series finale. But Gomes is the better offensive player. He's the guy who most of the pitching staff already knows. They're going to rely on him. And, and, you know, Two years ago, Suzuki got a little more attention and started a little bit more, and he had a big offensive year. But Jan Gomes has a pretty good track record throughout his career, most of it with Cleveland before he came here. And obviously now third year with the team, he knows the pitching staff. They're comfortable with him. And he's a guy who you know, is going to give you a quality at bat more often than not. He's not going to put up huge numbers, but he can get the job done for you. And to his credit, he showed the patience there in the bizarre eighth inning with the bases loaded after the five-man infield I'm not going to say it worked for the Cardinals because Starling Castro took strike three. But after all that craziness, and now you've got to settle down, and he stayed calm and took four straight balls and didn't expand the zone when it, you know some hitters would do that in that spot. And it, it wind up you know driving in the winning run because of it. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge factor in that inning for the Nationals. But what did you make of the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, going with the five-man infield? I mean, kind of the consensus opinion was, geez, we've never seen this before. What do you think the thinking was from a Cardinals perspective? I mean, I've never seen it in the eighth inning before. You see it in the ninth inning every once in a while. It's kind of a last-ditch desperation, bases loaded, zero or one out with the whole game on the line. And you say, okay, we're going to take our chances that we maybe get a ground ball and, and cut the runner home at the plate because anything to the outfield is going to score him anyways. But I'd never seen it in the eighth inning. Davey Martinez had never seen it in the eighth inning before. The explanation, and there is a little bit of logic to this, from Schilt's standpoint was that the batter is Starlin Castro, who does make contact and does hit the ball on the ground a lot. So if you feel like you're that desperate and you just got to do whatever you can to try to prevent the go-ahead run from scoring, give it a shot. And the strange part is he brought in the utility man, Edmundo Sosa, and removed Hurst, who he had just put in the center field to start the inning. He, he burned his center fielder, his backup center fielder, like three batters into an inning. And I guess the theory was that Hurst is the better defensive player. And if Giovanni Gallegos just, you know, doesn't get into the jam and gets through the inning, then that was the right move. But I mean, that was some advanced level managing for April 20th, you know, <laughs> not the kind of stuff you'd normally see 
but I, I do kind of understand the logic behind it. And then the, the strangest thing of it all is that Starling Castro will swing at anything that he can reach his bat at. You know, it doesn't even have to be in the zone. And he took strike three, and it wasn't even that borderline. It was a legitimate strike three call, and he took it. I think that's the most shocking thing of it all. All he's got to do is make contact, get the ball out of the infield, and they take the lead. And he never even took the bat off the shoulder with two strikes. Yeah, Castro's been a little spotty as a hitter so far. It's just so odd, right? Because in this launch angle crazed environment, to have a bunch of infielders, you're like, all you need to do is elevate the baseball over the infield, and you're more likely than not going to have yourself a base hit. So not something you see often. We obviously saw it on Tuesday night. Hey guys, Al Galda here to tell you about FanDuel. We've all had that dream, right? Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right, new users get up to $1,000 back inside credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have an account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's up to $25 back inside credit each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win. There are endless options on FanDuel Sportsbook. For instance, you can sign up for the MLB Upper Decker. Set your lineup in first place wins $2,500 of cold hard cash. There's a reason FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. All you need to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109 with it, Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So it will be on Wednesday afternoon. It's a 405 first pitch. The Nationals go for a series victory. We have not had many of those so far in this national season. It is Max Scherzer versus Carlos Martinez. It's been such a bipolar start to the year for the other guys in the Nationals rotation. It feels like each guy has either been great or awful. You know, like Patrick Corbin, first two starts bad, this latest start great. Joe Ross, his first two starts good, his latest start bad. Steven Strasburg, first start good, next start bad. Even Eric Fetty, right, first start bad, next two outings good. Max Scherzer has been like the one constant, the one guy who, for the most part, has been good. I mean, he did give up the four solo homers in his first game, but by and large, he's, I mean, he's been the Nats' best starting pitcher, period. He's been especially good over these last two outings. Let's hope that the consistency remains with Mad Max and it is a routine Thursday on Wednesday and that the Nats can get themselves a win. But what are you thinking when it comes to Scherzer in game three? Well, hopefully he feels a little less pressure on himself. Not that he's ever not going to go out there thinking he needs to you know, rule the world. But because of what Corbin did, because they won the game, it maybe takes a little bit off him for this one. But I would expect him against his hometown team, the Cardinals, to do what he always does. And that is come out with intensity. Can he get through a clean first inning? That's something he didn't do on opening day, but he's done it since then been much more under control. And then does he finish strong? That that last outing, that was the key to it. I mean, he struck out the side to end his night. He always talks about the last 10 pitches. That's what defines your, your start. Well, he's faced a much tougher lineup from the Cardinals than he did with the Diamondbacks. And so you can envision a scenario when the sixth or the seventh inning, and he's got Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Molina coming up. And can he dig deep and find that last little extra juice to get through the finish line strong. I, you know, I think that's already on his mind. That's what they're going to need from him. And without Juan Soto in your lineup and against a, a flamethrower like Martinez, you're not expecting to score a lot of runs, not the current state of this lineup. So if you are Max, I think you have to be thinking, you know, one run, two runs tops, if, if that, and give your team a chance to win and then hope they can close it out at the end. Yeah, you mentioned Max's last outing. It was last Friday night. That was the Kyle Schwarber walk-off game, the one nothing victory over the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park. Scherzer was great. Seven scoreless innings, 10 strikeouts versus just two hits and two walks. Keep the feedback coming to us here at the Nats Chat Podcast. We love hearing from you guys at Nats underscore chat on Twitter. You can email us too, Podcast at gmail.com. The momentum continues for Nats Chat merchandise. None other than Pastor Mike Yoho. Yes, a man of the cloth has contacted us at Nats Chat. He emails, he says, like others, I would purchase and wear Nats Chat merch also. Many thanks and good thoughts for a great season, Mike. Thank you very much, Mike. But we got the clergy on our side now, Mark. A man of the cloth wants to buy some cloth, is what you're saying. You can't beat that. We'll take it. We'll take it. Let's get going, Tim. Let's get this stuff on the market. Come on. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Uh, if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, again, you can email us, email Tim Shovers, uh, and tell him to get to work on the merchandise, Podcast at gmail.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy 
of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. I'll talk to you next time. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And now here's the wind and the pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out on a breaking ball. Wainwright does not run. Gomes picks it up out of the dirt and tags him to complete the strikeout. The fourth for Corbin, who has his third straight 1-2-3 inning. He's retired 11 Cardinals in a row. All right, well, why don't we smooth the head down to nothing, stick a pumpkin under its arm, and change the nameplate to Ichabod Crane. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for me. We got everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.